Last, uh, last Sunday, we didn't have service here, uh, but the Super Bowl was going on, and I was actually... Right, right, Sunday night, Sunday night, we didn't have service here. And uh, the Super Bowl was going on, but I don't really care about football. Uh, and so I was here uh, during, um, during that time preparing my heart. Uh, if you haven't heard, I'm a little busy during the week right now in this season, but I was here preparing my heart and my faith. And I also want you to know that before I prepared this sermon, I first evaluated me and my heart. And I'm going to talk a little bit about the journey and the season that I'm in right now. But if you've just met this version of me, if you've met 26-year-old Alyssa, I want to take you on a quick journey because I first walked through those doors when I was just four years old, almost five. I think I had a brown teddy bear in hand my first Sunday service here. And I walked up those halls and um, actually, Keith and Jan England walked me to my Sunday school class where Miss Cossie Carr was waiting in there <laughs> with greasy Cheetos <laughs> at 9 a.m. <laughs> for years, we had greasy Cheetos for the kids during Sunday school class. And I see many past Sunday school teachers here and leaders and missionettes and people who had poured into me. And I remember in that Sunday school class, we'd have a green felt board. And Cossie would put a Bible character up on there. And she'd tell me about Joshua and about Esther. And I would listen and I would soak it in. And I'm not that little girl now. But I've grown in authority and if you know some of my story, when I was 18, I went off to Los Angeles, California. I know you're thinking that is crazy. Um, but I went there, and I was an 18-year-old, blonde, white girl in the housing projects, knocking on doors, saying, how can we serve you? I was in a Bible and leadership school, and we, we did outreach every single day. Every day we did outreach we spent days down in Skid Row at 9 p.m. ministering to prostitutes, ministering to those who still had needles in their arms, asking them, listen, we've got a rehab for you. But even if you don't come to that, listen, there's a truth of a Savior who has come to save you. And you could ask, who did you think you were going and doing that? And trust me, there were many days right before I walked up to those doors to knock. And sometimes you'd hear screaming in there. I mean, I was at the housing projects many days when there were shootings and we had to go back on the bus. There were bloodstains still on a sidewalk of a 14-year-old boy who was shot my second month in Los Angeles. And so I even asked myself, who do I think I am? <laughs> who do I think I am here and you may have asked that question if you've heard the season I'm in right now, too. There's no hiding it. I'm, I'm not going to hide it on this stage. I'm running for state representative for District 41 for us. I'm running to win, first of all. <laughs> and honestly, a quote I said to myself day one was, oh, wow, who do I think I am? <laughs> And then the Lord gave me a little conviction in my spirit of it's not about you. It's about who you say I am. Who do we think God is? And who do we say he is? So after I came back from Los Angeles, um, went into full-time ministry, came back to, from Los Angeles in 2018, it was still in full-time ministry, and then the Lord just kept stirring in my heart in 2016, just to give you some timetables of some of the perspective I've had. So I lived in Los Angeles in 2016, uh, during the 2016 election, when Trump became president the first time. And I was stuck on the freeway for four and a half hours when BLM marched on the freeway and shut all the cars down. It was a Thursday night 
and we had seven rowdy teenagers we were trying to drop back off at their house. <laughs> but thank goodness we had talkies and other Cheetos in the car to keep them entertained. But we were in a shift in our culture here that my generation had not seen before. Now that was 2016, and then in 2020, I was on staff at a church as a, as a kids pastor when everything became shut down. We saw all sorts of fear, and people suffered loss, and we started looking at government a little bit more as a church, right? When some of us had been asleep to some things, or we maybe have abdicated a little bit of authority, 2020 kind of woke some of us up. And so I started praying like I had never prayed before for government. And, and the Lord put me on the path of other people who had already paved a way there. And I went to a prayer seminar. And a woman named Hetty Lou Brooks, who at that time, I think she was 91, and she could outlast any of us on a stage. <laughs> I mean, I should have brought a pillow to her prayer seminar like all the other ladies who had been there before because my back was hurting from sitting so long. But I was just drenched in this wisdom, but most importantly, this faith that she had for leaders in government, for America. Prayers I had never heard believers pray. And I started to even question myself in my faith of, well, have I not seen God in this light that I'm scared to even pray this way? And she had somebody speak at this prayer seminar who was also in the fight. And she's a state representative who loves God and answered the call. And she paid a cost. And her name is Mary Bentley, and she's also here today. And she shared about policy and how it impacts us and how we need to pray for those who are running for office and encourage godly good legislation and my heart began to stir then I also was convicted of oh god it's been so easy for me in the church when you got a big bold personality like me in a church they kind of give you room for that. <laughs> you guys are, y'all are my echo chamber. I, in the sense of preaching to the choir, coming up here and preaching to you and being so excited to come into the house of the Lord every Sunday. And that was genuine for me. And it still is. But that wasn't costing me. So the Lord kept opening these doors, and I'm going to fast forward. And me and Hetty were at the Capitol during Pastor's Day at the Capitol last, um, last January, and uh, a, a Christian conservative policy group hosted this, and, um, and they let legislators speak, and they talked about their work that they did. And, and through that, the Lord opened a door that I didn't even know to knock on. And the policy group had asked me to come join them during session. I had two days to decide and get outfits to wear to the Capitol. <laughs> and so I answered that call, and I had no idea what I was expecting. I thought, who do I think I am? I, I, I honestly told the, the leader, I said, I'm just a church girl. I said, I, I, I love to greet, I love to talk. And he said, well, do that. <laughs> with the legislators. Talk with them. Learn this. Just be with us. He said, I feel like I'm supposed to ask you to join our team. And we worked on 30 different bills passing here in Arkansas. And I learned the process. And one day, I think I've told some of you this story, and, and Caleb has told it too, but it was a day that marked me. We were in Judiciary Committee. It was on the House side, and, and there was a bill going forward that was going to I won't get into all the language of the bill, but the idea of it was to prevent grown men and women who identified as transgender from staying in the bathroom with a minor child. That, that was the whole idea of the bill. And I had been looking at some of these trans groups 
on Facebook. You're not going to hear a sermon like this from other places, but you're getting it here today. I'd been looking at these transcripts on Facebook, and I had a little fake account so I could see all of them. And they were posting that they were going to flood the Capitol, and they were going to show up, and they were going to give testimony. And I'd warned the team. I was like, I think they are. And they were like, oh, they don't really come out in that many numbers. And, and this day, me and Caleb, Caleb came to the Capitol this day, we got there early to save seats in the room, and it was almost already full. And y'all, these were not out-of-state people. These were men and women who live in a transgender lifestyle, who are in bondage, coming to testify. But it didn't stop with the men and women. There were children and youth with them. The youngest one to give testimony was 12 years old. His mother, her mother, was calling her a hymn. Twelve years old, and for five and a half hours, they gave testimony after testimony after testimony. And I sat there on that front row, and my heart was just raging inside of me. But what really marked me that day was an older gentleman went to the end of the table, and he was not transgender. It was obvious. <laughs> and he said that when he got there, and he said, listen, I know how this committee is probably going to vote on this bill. They're probably going to pass this bill today because you are all hateful, conservative Christians. He said, but at least I'm encouraged. I'm encouraged because all of the young people in the room, they are with us. We have won the youth. You are going to die off soon. And they will replace you and the hateful legislation you have passed in Arkansas. And little cheers broke out in the room. And the cheerwoman said, quiet, quiet. But I sat there, y'all. And he was right. In that room, all of the young people but two were with them. But what also marked me in that moment was even the enemy's camp was willing to proclaim victory. They were willing to say, we've won the youth. We've got them. He didn't really know that. But he had the faith, in one sense of the word, to proclaim it. And yet we have Christians who won't even vote based on their faith beliefs. Because feelings have been hurt. Or we're more friends with this one. And so the Lord just kept, after session was over, the Lord just kept opening doors. And I just kept walking one, one step with him. And I went, to, um, I went to work with a, a Christian ministry called Christians Engaged. And one day I'll come back up here and share more of that. But we went on a ministry trip to Washington, D.C., and we were just an intercessory group going to pray and to learn. And congressmen agreed to come and speak with us and let us pray over them. We weren't paying them any money to do this. We, we didn't even have anyone special in our group. I'm just being honest. <laughs> we didn't even have like a, a big name pastor. It was just people who were committed to praying for America and engaging with government with a biblical worldview. And so... It was my first time in D.C., and I say it's the trip Jesus got me, because I didn't go looking for it, but they found me, and I got to go to that, and the first person who came to speak to us, you may recognize his name now, but many months ago, he was known as the congressman nobody knew from Louisiana, but his name was Mike Johnson, and he came and he spoke to us, and I think they have a photo of it I want to show y'all. And he spoke to us and he quoted the Bible and he talked about his faith and he talked about the cost that Christians have to pay. He talked about working with Alliance Defending Freedom. He was the top attorney on the Marriage Defense Act. And we got to pray over him and the spirit of the Lord was in that room. 
And on title, he was this congressman. But in there, in that moment, eye to eye with us, it was like we were linking arms with him. As believers, as brothers and sisters in Christ. And we got on the bus, and this was so special. We got on the bus, and there was two, there's a group of us, and we were talking about him, and we were saying, wow, he was so shepherdly. Like, he, he was so shepherdly. The way he spoke, and we prayed that God would elevate his voice. We specifically said that out loud with a prophetic prayer that God would elevate his voice. And many months later, our team is texting and they're like, hey, another vote's about to go up. Y'all, there's a chance right now. He's third in the line and nobody knows him. But there's a chance right now that if they vote today, the nobody, Mike Johnson, can be swept up to the front and be voted in as Speaker of the House. And our whole team was texting, and I had it. I was watching it live. And when they announced it, I sobbed before the Lord. Because when Proverbs 29.2 says that when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when a wicked man beareth rule, the people groan. And that was a day of rejoicing for us. But we had to pray. We had to have the faith to pray it. And now I'm not saying we get to take credit for that. <laughs> but it marked me <clears throat> of thinking of so many situations in our culture, in America, in our families, in our workplaces, that sometimes we stop and we stop ourselves from some sp- from speaking things out in faith and, and prophesying them. Because we're looking at who we think we are. Or who we think this person is. Or the system is really not for us. It's kind of rigged against us in this way. But when we look to who he is. When we look to who God is. Then we see rejoicing. And one more testimony. I got to pray over Congressman Jody Arrington, and we didn't get to have video. That's him on the right. We didn't get to have video of it uh, just to protect their privacy. But I do want to tell you that this congressman was so vulnerable with us in that room. And he told us, I mean, he came straight from the floor. And they had to run from outside of the Capitol to into our little building. It was just one block. And so most of them were like sweaty. And you saw the humanity of them. You saw the humanity of them. And he told us, he said, will you guys pray that I can get more into the word of God? He said, because I did in Texas before I got here. But this is a really hard place to be in. And he is head of the budget committee for the United States of America. That man. Who does he think he is? But we prayed a prayer of faith over him. And we spoke life over him and encouragement over him. And he cried tears before leaving that room. Because the anointing was there. And so I I was challenged after this moment. How can you have those, those seasons of life in the Capitol and then in the United States Capitol and not be praying for godly candidates and for people to rise up and to have eyes on policy and government and to be reminded that our authority as believers is not found in the world's resume. I didn't have the authority to knock on those doors and to minister to people at 18 in Los Angeles, but I walked in a godly confidence. I didn't have the authority to sign up to run for office just a couple months ago. I didn't have the world's resume, but the authority of Christ to see his glory. And if you hear anything from me today, please know I didn't even want to put my name on signs. I like hated that idea. (laughs) But I wanted to be obedient to the call. Because we have a warning. We have a warning. 
in Matthew 25. It's the parable of the talents. I may not read all of it, but I'm going to read quite a bit of it. We've read it many before. We've heard it. I'm just going to start at verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one. Listen to this part. To each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought it. The five other talents saying, Lord, you delivered me five talents. Look, I have gained five more besides them. His Lord said said unto him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. And it happened the same with the man with two talents. But listen to this in verse 24. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid. And I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Look there, you have what is yours. This is a warning to us all. Verse 26, but the Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have, where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has 10 talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away and cast, listen to this word, the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. What a warning that is to us. And we've heard it before. We've heard this parable before, how Jesus spoke on it. But when I was reading it the other night, when I was in here, I was just receiving revelation on the servant who was lazy. And the Lord called him wicked. But he said he was fearful. But what was the root of why he did that? Because he said, Well, Lord, you were a hard leader. He put it back on the Lord. And so this same quote that I said at the beginning of who I think I am. We are burying talents, which that's just an analogy. We are burying callings and moments to speak light into darkness And you have authority in the world because we're saying, you know what? It's safer over here. It's easier over here. God wouldn't want us to offend anyone with policy. He can't handle my failures. I decided to run for this seat. After vetting some of the candidates that were running for it. It's not personal. We had political differences and spiritual differences. It would have been a lot safer to just continue that God would change them or God would call somebody else. I did spend a week praying that. I said, God, call forth a Joshua, a Daniel, an Esther. 
God call forth a Deborah. And then I got to the moment in my prayer when I was realizing I was praying, God, give me the courage to count the cost. Give me the courage to not care more about my reputation. When I know too much at this point not to step in. I knew too much. And I had a decision to make. But it wasn't about who I thought I was. It was about who God says he is. And his heart for government and our nation. And I'm not here today to speak on my personal experience of running for office. But I am here to talk about the spiritual principle that required it of me. Because... In the early part of this parable, we saw that each of us has an ability and a calling. Not all of us are going to run for office. Not all of us are going to preach on a stage. But you can reach people I will never have a moment to talk to. You're called to be a mother and a father and a grandmother and a grandfather. And let me also say to those who think that their little Sunday school classrooms, that their little lessons, Kim Fedora, doesn't do much. Debbie Combs, because you didn't bury it. You didn't bury it. And now I'm here and I'm not going to bury it. And you may misunderstand some of the things I do. And I may have made mistakes in this. I would never claim to be perfect or to have gotten it all right. But God can handle our failures. There is no safe middle ground not stepping out. It is more dangerous to stay here and bury because we will stand accountable to him one day. And I want to hear faithful, good servant. We can trust him with our mistakes and our shortcomings. You're not always going to have the blueprint to every little detail. Listen, I'm Pentecostal, faith-filled, yes. But there's some practical principles that we don't always have the answers to. When you start that new business, you're going to have to give God the room to put grace over your mistakes when your heart's in the right place. But when the enemy has deceived you into staying safe, into burying, that is the real danger. And we can't dance. This is what the Lord gave me when I was down here one day. I can't dance down here in freedom. And I can't sing about the anointing. And I can't proclaim the authority and then bury myself in the safeguards of the church because there's a broken world out there. And when Jesus commanded us to love our neighbor, it didn't include lying to them. If you are a man, you are a man. If you are a woman, you are a woman. You cannot have our children. This country was founded on beliefs of personal liberties that are defined in our Constitution, but they are first God-given. And there are men and women who have paid a price to preserve those liberties, not for us to just sit back and say, ooh, it would cost too much. The culture's gone too far. And I've been knocking on doors. <laughs> I have been knocking on doors and talking to people and asking them for their vote. That was also hard to do at first. Like, let me just tell you about me. 
And then I had to shift. I had to shift some of that. But at first was a spiritual shift. But I've knocked on a lot of doors. And there's a lot of broken people in our community. And I've had the opportunity to pray over many. I've knocked on a door. A woman was weeping. She had just gotten the call that her sister had died. I stayed with her for 15 minutes, holding her as she was crying before she asked, wait, why are you here? (laughs) And I was like, we can talk about it later. (laughs) I knocked on a door last week. No, just a couple days ago, actually. And it was a veteran who had served in Vietnam. And earlier, his alarm had gone off, and it had triggered a PTSD response. It was a sound that he said it brought him back. And just that day, he had been crawling on the ground before he realized that he wasn't in that scene in his mind. And I got to pray with him at his door. You see what happens? When you're obedient to the Lord, when you don't let the accusers silence you and tell you this isn't a place you should go in, we don't know what happens in the spiritual when we are obedient in the natural. I was over there to ask for his vote, which I hope I got it. But even more importantly, I was there to give him a light that he didn't have. I've been knocking on the doors, but what has been shocking to me is there's a lot of those who love God, who they've got the Christian decor outside, they've got the cross, and I'm like, yes, these are my people. (laughs) If there's anyone I can win over, it's these. And then I talk to them, and they're like, there is no hope for America. They're like, girl... My daughters and and my sons, they're not even having children. I don't blame them. I mean, we just, I mean, we better start stocking up now. There's no hope here. I'm like, well, thank you for that encouraging word. (laughs) But I can't acclimate to the level of faith they're living at. And I may have even hurt some feelings in this room at some point during this election when you've looked at me and said, even if you don't win, Even if it doesn't happen this time, it's okay. And if I haven't said, I rebuke you to your face, I said it as I walked away. And it's not because I'm not trusting God with this, but it's right now, in this moment, I have the faith that he has called me to this, and I will stand on who he says he is, not who I am. And I'm going to keep walking on water. So that lack of faith, it can stay on the shore, it can stay on the boat. But my eyes are not on Facebook. They're not on the signs, they're not on the poles. My eyes are on the Lord who is telling me, one more step, one more step, and I will let him deal with the rest. Because I don't know who I think I am, but I know who he says he is. There's been voices, and I don't say this for, for sympathy, I don't, I don't need it, but there's been voices that I've been exposed to, not just in our district, I, I mentioned the transgender groups all over Arkansas. I've gotten emails, I've gotten voicemails, messages on Facebook you would not want to read. And listen to this, I've gotten messages from those who proclaim to love God, but are appalled that I would say a baby in the womb should not be murdered. And even if it's a hard situation, they should not be a victim to someone else's crime. It's a hard conversation. It'd be easier to say, I understand where you're coming from. That's your right. It costs me a lot less. It may would help my reputation. 
Trust me, it would make my Instagram or my messages on Facebook be a lot more nice. <laughs> but there's a cost. And there's only one we will be accountable to. We're going into an election year. Ooh. We don't know what's going to happen in November or the road up to that. We didn't know what was going to happen in 2020. We didn't know what was going to happen in 2016. The pilgrims didn't know what was going to happen when they were on that boat. When George Washington was marching through the winter and his hands were so frozen and his feet were so frozen, he didn't know what was going to happen. None of us are given a playbook to this. But the people of God, the people of God have an answer. And so I want to challenge you. I'm going to end with this in a second. Got a little more. But I want to challenge you with this. And I've been challenging myself. We've got to watch what we say. We've got to watch what we profess. We either believe it or we don't. He's either Jehovah Jireh or he's not. He's either the same God who closed the mouth of the lions in the den with Daniel or he's not. You need to decide right now where you're going to stand. And if you're not on the faith side, please shut your mouth until you can get there. And I mean that. Don't speak it out to me anymore. I don't want the, oh, sweetie, at least you're trying comments anymore. You can keep the lack of faith over there. Because the power of life and death is in the tongue. And it doesn't just include right here in the church. It includes how we talk about our government, how we talk about our schools, the level of accountability we have in the public place. It's up to us. To have dominion over the earth. And the Jesus who just said, do whatever you want. The Jesus that they're trying to portray that would washing everyone's feet, but there was no level of accountability there. It's not the only Jesus we read about and hear. And he enraged them. The voices of the Pharisees, the religious, that were hiding their talents because it was comfortable and it was safe. And it's where they had power. It's where they had power. And here we all agree. So we don't have to step into the arena. But the Lord is awakening a bride full of love, full of passion, full of grace and mercy, but also justice and strength. And when the church is silent in any area, the people suffer. When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. And so I'm running for office. <laughs> and it hasn't all been butterflies and rainbows. But it's reminded me why it matters. It's given me an opportunity to see my faith at work in ways I never knew required of me. It's a daily battle of crucifying my flesh. Church, when we step out in these next couple of months, I'm going to encourage you to be bold in your families, in your workplaces, in your prayers. Oh, my goodness. In your prayers. I first had to get to the place in the secret place where I could even pray. I prayed for months. 
about courage to do some of the things I'm doing now. But the authority came from him. And we've got to continue to get in that secret place and that intercession. And I'm so grateful for the people who have been interceding for me. I have people here in this room today who didn't even meet me in person until today. But the Lord pulled on their heart and they had been interceding for me and standing in the gap. Look what happens when we get together, when we do this together. The world is really good. I'm just going to say it. The radical left and also the Democrats. I know, sorry, people don't want to say that in churches. But they're really good at staying together, sticking with their own. It gives them another punch of strength in areas. What would happen if the people of God stuck together? But it's not going to be without wounding. When you go to a battle, you're going to get bruised. There's going to be wounds. And you're going to have to keep your eyes on the one. I, I knew I was going to need authority and strength to step into this season. But if I'm just being honest, that came naturally for me. I had to tone it back, actually, in some ways. For some of the people in this room. Uh, what was a little bit harder for me was how quickly I had to learn to forgive. Daily. When we step out and do what God has called us to do, when we are a voice of truth, it's going to wound your flesh. People who I have known and loved, and they know me. They know me. And have said all sorts of things. And last Sunday, I sat here, and I read their names off. And I said, I forgive them. Lord, forgive me where I've messed up. I forgive them. Because we're either free or we're not. We're either free or we're not. And it starts with us. If we want to keep moving forward, taking dominion, taking authority in the earth, then we've got to stay free from the unforgiveness, the bitterness, the resentfulness to keep speaking, to keep moving forward. And so I want us to pray here today. And I, and I want to challenge you before we pray together. And I would love for somebody to come on the stage that has music. Somebody. <laughs> before we pray together, I want to challenge you in your prayer. I really want to challenge you. Is there somebody that you have stopped praying for because you think they're too far gone? Is this nation too unrecognizable for you to even want to do your part anymore? And I know many have served in so many ways. And you're justified in some of this despair. You are. But we've got to decide right now if we're going to have the faith to say, God, we know who you are. And we know what you can do. And we're going to trust in you. And see, we talk a lot about Esther. And calling forth Esther's. And I'm all about it. Esther 4 verse 1 is what goes into the story of her having the courage to go before the king on behalf of her people. We're District 41, by the way. But the hero of Esther's story, if we look at it, it was really Mordecai. And there's Mordecai's in this room. And we need your voice. And we need your prayers. And we need your faith. Be accountable to your mouth. Be accountable to what you speak out.
the next generation needs the people of God to start interceding and doing their part. And to not bow to the idols of this age. And to say, no matter what happens, no matter if I burn in the fire or not, I will not bow because I know who my God is. And so we're going to call forth those people. Will y'all stand with me? Let's just pray as a church together. I'm going to ask you to just enter into that secret place with the Lord right now. Evaluate your heart. It may be even hard for you to look at the news or to digest any information without getting so caught up in the world's ways. We've got to have different eyes. We've got to have different language. What would happen if the church in this hour, said we're not going to listen to the reports of the world, but we are going to speak out in faith that godly leaders are going to rise up, that people of God are going to do their part. We're going to take care of the orphans. We're going to go in the jails. We're going to feed the hungry, and we won't be silenced. We will speak the truth no matter the cost. And so, Father God, we thank you that your presence is here. God, we thank you that you're not a God who can't handle our mistakes and our lack and our shortcomings. But when we do our part, you're a good father. And you have good plans for America. America is not too far gone for a God who redeems. For the same blood of Jesus that flowed on Calvary for us is the same gospel message that we have now. And we don't receive the report of the world. But we pray, Lord Jesus, that we would live in a culture that would honor you. We pray that we would live in a culture where the pastors, when they step behind these pulpits, would preach with conviction and authority and wouldn't be silenced by the demonic voices that want to keep them out. We rebuke a Jezebel spirit in America today. We silence her. We speak that a culture of life would come forth. The giant of Roe v. Wade that fell, we thank you for it, God. And we continue to pray that you would move on the hearts of women and men to recognize an innocent life in the womb, that the scales on their eyes would be wiped away. God, we call forth governors to prophesy. God, we call forth governors that want to read your word, that want to lead with justice and, and righteousness. God, we call forth mayors, city council members. We call forth teachers. There's people you can be praying for right now, but you got to have the faith to see it. It's not by our sight, but by faith, God. I sat in this church last Sunday, and I, got, I said, God, give me vision. Give me vision. We need new pioneers in America today to say we don't see this anymore, but we can pioneer it. But it's going to come at a cost. So God, we pray over those leaders and those voices. God, we do. We pray over the Calebs. We pray over those who are stepping up and saying, you know what? It's not celebrated. Not yet. But we can see it in our land. God, we humble ourselves before you. We humble ourselves before you. That you would heal our land. You would heal our land. And you would empower the church. You would empower the church with your spirit. To go into the state house. To go into the capitals. To stand for good policy that affects people. 
God, we lift up those in elections all over the country, all over the country right now. And we bind the attacks of the enemy. We silence the voices of the accuser that come to intimidate and to silence. We rebuke them and we thank you that no matter what, no matter what, the victory belongs to the Lord. The victory belongs to the Lord and we will stand on that truth. Let the righteous be as bold as lions. Not because of who we say we are, but because of who you are, God. Because of who you are. We thank you for your presence in this room. God, I thank you for every person in here. God, if anyone doesn't know you today, Lord Jesus, as their personal Savior, Savior and Father and friend and shepherd, God, I pray that they would make a decision today, today, to receive this free gift we have been given. Salvation by grace through faith. Thank you that people who walked in here without faith to believe for some areas in their life and in our nation. That God, you planted a seed in them today. That's going to be watered and it's going to grow. God, and we rebuke even in ourselves. I say it all the day, all the time. I rebuke that thought. I rebuke that doubt. God, we take captive our thoughts in here today. Thank you for what you have done in Arkansas. Thank you for the intercessors who have prayed. Thank you for the leaders who have counted the cost and stepped up to the plate and who have fought battles None of us will ever see. But they were faithful. Help us to be faithful and to be strong and to be courageous. And to keep marching until that Jericho wall falls. And we will rejoice in your presence afterwards. God, I love you. I give this word to you. And we bless your name. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. amen. <laughs>